Shalom Aleichem. Welcome to Tune In, the Yiddish Book Center's podcast. I'm Lisa Newman, and today I'm visiting with Jeremy Cohen, owner and founder of Schmoltz Brewing Company, the world's smallest, largest, and most award-winning Jewish celebration beer company. Jeremy was born in Los Angeles into a second-generation Californian Jewish family, and he grew up in the suburbs of San Francisco. After graduating from Stanford University with a degree in humanities, he embarked on a series of job stints in the arts, the bar world, the beer world, and then he started an experimental microbrewery project called Hebrew, the chosen beer, in 1996, drawing inspiration from pioneering craft breweries, local artists, popular culture, and a couple of transformative trips to Israel, Cohen created Hebrew Beer, as a celebration of the American Jewish experience in the form of sophisticated and inventive beer, craft beers, excuse me. Welcome, Jeremy. Thanks so much for having me. Delighted. Um, you've been on my radar for a while, so I'm delighted that we've got you in the studio. Um, and, of course, I need to ask you right from the get-go, how did you go from a degree in humanities to launching a brewing company? Well, that's funny because so many people have always said, well, if you get a degree in humanities, what did you want to do, like write or teach? And I said, no, I just like reading and writing and talking to people. So that was good preparation for uh, for craft brewery, I think. <laughs> um, and were you a beer drinker from an early age? Yeah, definitely from slightly slash a lot underage. But, um, you know, craft beer uh, has been growing up in the last 30 years. I'm from Northern California uh, we had Anchor Steam in Sierra Nevada and a number of iconic brands. Um, so I grew up around that, although I didn't really start drinking craft beer much until uh, I had graduated from college and moved to New Orleans, and I, I was drinking this lovely dark um, dark ale called Turbo Dog from Abita Brewing uh, in my couple of years living in New Orleans. And then from there on, I just really got interested in, in more flavorful, robust, uh, high-quality beers. So that's what I wanted to do when I started Hebrew. And why a you know, Jewish celebration beer company? Have there been other Jewish brewing companies? Um, nope, there have been none, and there still are none. So obviously I've stumbled onto either an incredible, unique idea that I can be the absolute best person at it, or it's an idea that's completely ridiculous that nobody else is going to start or follow. So I'm going with the uh, approach that we're just going to keep going. Um, it's been 18 years, and it's shocking that we're still the only uh, Jewish celebration beer because, you know, pretty much everybody other, every other group in the country had their own beer, and um, that's part of the fun. And, you know, drinking Guinness on St. Patrick's Day is great, but you don't have to be, uh, you know, you don't have to be Mexican to enjoy Corona on a beach. I prefer to drink all these incredible craft beers that are for my friends and, and colleagues from around the country. Um, these guys are making wonderful flavors, high-quality ingredients, great process, and real unique ingenuity. So it's an, it's an outstanding time to be drinking craft beer uh, in the United States and around the world. And I gather from what I've read um, about the startup, it was very much a hands-on operation. You've mentioned that you've been around for 18 years. You've uh, enjoyed a lot of success, deserved success, I must say. Um, I, you borrowed your grandmother's Volvo to make deliveries. It sounds like yeah. you got a lot of good um, support from your parents who accepted the fact that this was, <laughs> this was the direction that you were going in. So what went into getting it off the ground? Well, in 1990s, in the mid-90s, um, craft beer had, 
had really kind of grown up in, in the late 80s, early 90s, had this great, incredible renaissance, and then turned into a, a bubble. So when I got into the craft beer world, a, a lot of breweries were actually having a really hard time. Um, so I started this not necessarily as a brewing project, and I didn't really know much about the brewing world. When I started, I joke around at some of my sales meetings, all the sales reps these days, these young guys, know more about the beer world than I ever did when I started the company. Um, I had worked for arts nonprofits, and I just thought, you know, I loved beer, and I, and I loved shtick, and I thought, well, wouldn't this be funny if this actually turned into something? So we just uh, we hand-squeezed pomegranates on the floor of my apartment in San Francisco, had some friends over, and we took that lovely juice down to a tiny little brewery in Cupertino in Northern California and made 100 cases of Hebrew Genesis Ale, our first creation, uh, in the very beginning. And I drove it around in my grandmother's car, like you mentioned. I didn't own a car at the time. And, and my mother delivered five cases, and my buddy delivered five cases, and, and literally that was it. It wasn't... Uh, huge um, project funded by uh, some business school planning or I didn't work at another brewery and had all this experience and decided to start my own thing. I literally just thought it would be fun and maybe a little funny to have a beer called Hebrew. (laughs) And so here we are 19 years later, going into our 19th year, and we've got 33 people that work for Schmaltz Brewing Company. Um, We're based in upstate New York now, although we have wonderful roots in Northern California. We distribute Hebrew beer in about 35 states around the country, and uh, we make about a dozen or so beers throughout the course of the year that we think can stand with the very best craft beers in the United States. Well, I I know that you have won a lot of awards and accolades for the beer. Um, I'm curious about the names. Um, The the names of your beer, and you uh, mentioned pomegranate um, earlier, but they all seem to draw on Jewish references and roots. can you tell me a little bit about that connection and um, how does it resonate with your customers or distributors? Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's funny because talk about a niche within a niche within a niche. So we're talking about in the, when I first started, it was for um, Jews, 2% of the entire population, <laughs> most of whom are too old or too young to drink beer mm-hmm. uh, in a community that is notorious for not drinking very much. Um, and uh, the bumper sticker that folks always used to joke around would be like, well, but Jews don't drink beer. And I would have to say, well, you know, as you recall, my father's fraternity at Berkeley and, and everybody else's Jewish fraternity seemed to drink just as much as their next-door neighbors who were not Jewish. And, um, you know, there is a tradition of, of uh, food and celebration, and obviously that's important. So um, the shtick came from kind of my attempt to find a way to celebrate Jewish culture, literary history, um, humor, uh, intellectual history, and and tie that in um, through the packaging and through the recipes to create a product, like kind of a holistic product that I could be really proud of that, that made you think, um, that maybe gave you a little bit of sense of whimsy or, or fun, and but also tasted really great. And so that was very important from the very beginning. I wanted to make sure that, that Hebrew beer was as high quality as anything in the craft beer world. And I think that we've worked really, really hard and spent a lot of time and money. And um, and I think we've accomplished that, even though we remain this kind of quirky, um, small brand that uh, we get a lot of fun and a lot of attention. Um, but we are a small company. We sell about 75,000 cases of Hebrew each year. And hopefully this year we'll get that up to about 100. And uh, that would be pretty exciting. 
So maybe a silly question, but um, are there certain beers? I mean, I know you have Bittersweet, Lenny's R.I.P., you've got Coney Island Craft Lagers. Do these pair well? Do you talk about that, pairing them well with uh, brisket or, uh, you know? Yeah, I mean, we, we work with a lot of Jewish-themed um, restaurants around the country and, um, you know, a lot of Jewish delis, and uh, um, we love that. I was just having a, a, a fantastic pastrami sandwich at Saul's Deli in Berkeley um, that has Genesis and Messiah, our two core brands, and um, out here we had a Hanukkah lunch at um, Wolf and Lamb in Manhattan, and Chaim there, the owner, has an amazing selection of craft beers, but he started with Schmaltz Brewing's craft beers in the very beginning, um, as opposed to the real mainstream domestic stuff that most most uh, restaurants carried. And so that's been really cool is to work with, uh, I mean, we're, we're in Carnegie Deli, which is just an unbelievable icon. Mm-hmm. We're also in um, neighborhood Jewish places around the country, and, and we love that as well. And Yeah, we talk about food a lot. You can't separate Jews and food. And uh, these days you can't really even separate great craft beer and food because so many people are interested in both. And it's interesting. I would imagine it resonates with a wide audience. I would think all generations would embrace this, not only because well, it's fun, but it, it tastes good and it and it yeah. has this connection. I mean, that certainly was the original thought. And, um, you know, unfortunately, and I, I'm, I'm really proud that, that Hebrew and Schmaltz Brewing has even survived, honestly, because if you think about how many pop cultural projects, um, especially consumer projects in the United States in the last 20 years focused on the Jewish community and how many of them are still here, it's rare. It's extremely rare. The magazines, the, the record labels, the, the artists, it's been, it's been a real challenge. And, you know, that is something that the Jewish community should, should think about and be aware of because um, we want to celebrate uh, Jewish culture and history and have a contemporary experience um, and be really proud and excited and engaged. But it has been a challenge for a lot of people to make a business out of it. And um, so I would say that that's an ongoing challenge, and that's a good excuse for everybody to drink a little bit more Hebrew beer. Absolutely. I can, <laughs> I can always use the help, and uh, hopefully they'll love it as well. Um, it's kosher. It was it that. Oh, tell me the thinking behind that Well, or the, the challenges. Yeah. yeah, you know, I started the company – really as an attempt to reach the unaffiliated young Jews, like kind of a little bit like myself who'd grown up in the suburbs or in, in cities or universities and maybe had this kind of nostalgic hope for a Jewish connection but maybe didn't have a lot of contemporary experience. I was very lucky. I went to Israel a couple of different times, and, and I really had some positive uh, relationship with my Jewish experiences. But the beer was intended to reach folks that... Um, maybe hadn't had those experiences but wanted some. People who liked watching Seinfeld and Mel Brooks movies and they felt a little Jewish but but didn't know how to engage that much. And so, you know, one more way to do that through Hebrew beer. Um, the kosher certification came later because I started in San Francisco where we really don't have much of an Orthodox community at the time, although the Chabad rabbi there, um, uh, Rabbi Langer, has been an unbelievable supporter from the very beginning. And so once I expanded to L.A. and Chicago and New York, um, the kosher certification became much more relevant, and we've been kosher certified ever since. And, and it's an important way for people to feel confident in the, they can bring Hebrew beer to, to events and to families and to seders. I mean, seders. The one place you cannot bring Hebrew <laughs> beer is to seders. 
but um, to uh, Shabbat dinners. And so it's, uh, it's certainly a relevant part of the business. I would say as far as the dollars go, we mostly focus on places like Whole Foods and Total Wine and Beverages and More and high-end bottle shops and real boutique craft beer places because that's what we are now is we're really just a great boutique craft brewery. So um, in addition to spending the last 18 years launching this successful company, um, you found time to write craft bar mitzvah, beer, um, sorry, craft beer bar mitzvah, um, yeah. which is, I guess, your memoir and the history of the company. What's exactly. uh, what's the takeaway on that? Where do you see this going? If Oh, boy. Well, the thing about craft beer bar mitzvah, first of all, it, it is a, it's written from being in the perspective of in the throes of the business. Um, you know, most of those business books that you see at Barnes & Noble, they're, you know, some heroic business character who's looking back, and, and it looked like maybe there were some challenges, but you know the person's a big success, and, and that was not me at all. That still is not me. We're grinding it out every single day, just trying to survive and cover payroll and get people their health insurance benefits and sell a little bit more beer. So the, the book, um, Craft Beer Bar Mitzvah, when I wrote it, was really intended to talk about the struggles of a small business and to have some anecdotes and some fun along the way. So that was the goal, and then I did a bit of a book tour. It's still available on Amazon, and it's available on our website at schmaltzbrewing.com. Um, we sell it in the tasting room here at the brewery in upstate New York in Clifton Park. And uh, and then we sell it at beer events around the country, and, and it's still about starting a brewery and different business models and trademark challenges and accounting, but it's mostly about the kind of personal journey. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and I think people dig it and have fun with it, and it's, still great to have that book and none of them have none of the problems have really been solved it's mostly have been an evolution of uh, just trying to keep it all juggling so is it awful to ask you do you have um a favorite oh a favorite beer yeah well people say that a lot these days it's really about the moments it's just like anybody you know do you have a favorite wine or do you have a favorite mm -hmm. food it's a lot about the moment that you might be experiencing that and depending on what you just ate or what you just drank, um, the different flavors we use in all these different beers from Hebrew are uh, quite diverse. But um, today we're packaging a fantastic new beer called Funky Jubilation, which uh, is a sour beer. It's intended to be very unique. It's much more like a crazy wine or a high-end spirit. Um, Funky Jubilation will be available around the country here in March. Um, my everyday favorite is our beer called Hot Mana, or depending on where you grew up, Hot Mana. <laughs> um, ties into, obviously, the story of the Jews wandering in the desert and being able to have this beautiful food that just appears in the morning and the evening to nourish them. And uh, the beer itself is a very hoppy beer. It's made with these beautiful flowers, green flowers called hops. Gives it a citrus and a floral aroma and flavor. And Hot Mana has been our um, leading seller, and we just put it in the 12-ounce bottle four packs around the country. So those those are really special treats. So uh, for those of our listeners who haven't yet stocked their fridge with Hebrew um, schmaltz brewing beers, um, how do we find them? Where are they distributed? Yeah, well, we're in about 35 states, mm -hmm. so just about most of the places that um, your listeners would be. We all, uh, we have a website at schmaltzbrewing.com, and the first tab is where to find Hebrew beer. And all of our wholesalers are listed there in each different market. Um, we then sell from the wholesaler. They go out and put it into 
uh, restaurants and and uh, liquor stores depending on the state it'll go into different places but um, you know places like Whole Foods are a great place to start and we, we could obviously we could always use the help so if you happen to be near Whole Foods you ask your local buyer if they could stock Hebrew beer we would love it otherwise you can also just shoot us um, a note on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter um, or email us uh, off the website at schmaltzbrewing.com and info at schmaltzbrewing. We'll make sure we find a local spot for you. Great. Well, thanks so much for joining us today. It's really interesting. I think what you're doing is great. Um, it's, um, yeah, it's. And, and you as well. I mean, it's amazing to have institutions that are able to survive these days. You know, everybody talks about high tech and, um, uh, in, in culture and small batch manufacturing have a lot in common as and they've been disappearing for many years from the United States and the fact that we're able to kind of make these projects successful against many, many odds is really a fantastic uh, accomplishment. So back to you as well. Oh, thank you. Um, again, thanks for joining us. Take care. L'chaim. You've been listening to Tune In, a production of the Yiddish Book Center in Amherst, Massachusetts. To subscribe to this and other podcasts, visit our website, YiddishBookCenter.org. Our producer is Sarah Bleichfeld. I'm Lisa Newman. Be well, be happy, and tune in again soon.